There's a lot of information out there about the best foods to help us lose weight, to prevent cancer, fight inflammation, the list goes on. In fact, for everything about our health we try and improve, there's someone out there with a new theory on how to do it. But what does the science say? Welcome to the Nutrition Facts Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greger, and I'm here to give you the evidence-based approach to take the mystery out of the best way to live a healthier, longer life. Orthorexia. You may have heard of it, and no, it's not a way to straighten your teeth. It's described as an unhealthy obsession with healthy eating. In our first story, we trace the source and legitimacy of orthorexia. Orthorexia has been styled as a type of self-righteous eating, or as clean eating by sufferers of the disorder. Wait, let's take a step back here. First of all, though this phenomenon has been described in the scientific literature, it is not formally recognized as an official psychiatric diagnosis. Furthermore, orthorexia doesn't even have an accepted definition, nor validated diagnostic criteria, and if you can't validly diagnose it or even define it, what good is it? OK, well, first off, where did this concept even come from? Not from some scholarly source, but from a popular press article called Confessions of a Health Food Junkie in a magazine called Yoga Journal. Let's explore its scientific legitimacy. Evidently, it looks like orthorexics obsessively avoid processed foods, unhealthy fats, and foods containing too much salt or too much sugar. Uh, but wait, by definition we should avoid unhealthy fats. They're unhealthy. And anything that has too much salt or sugar has too much salt and sugar. Is someone who's a non-smoker obsessively avoiding cigarettes orthospirexic, obsessed with right breathing? In many cases, parents try to strictly limit their children's sugar intake. No! Off to the loony bin they go. Orthorexics make the nutritional value of a meal more important than the pleasure of eating it. Uh, but, but if you didn't just a little, wouldn't you just eat donuts all day? I mean, if pleasure trumps health, maybe we should all just start shooting heroin. One of the proposed criteria is an unusual concern about one's health. What does that mean? I mean, do you have a mental illness if you decide to hold the bacon on your double cheeseburger? I mean, that could be seen as an unusual level of concern in a standard American diet. People with orthorexia pay excessive attention to the quality of consumed food, so much so they'd rather not eat unhealthy food. I bet they put their seatbelts on, too. We better reprogram their unhealthy, healthy thoughts with cognitive behavioral therapy, combined, of course, with drugs. SSRIs such as Zoloft, Prozac, and Paxil. Hey, that's what the experts recommend. With regard to psychotropic medication, yeah, SSRIs may help, but you may have to dip into the atypical antipsychotics as well. Now, often there'll be a concession, like, of course, from a clinical and public health perspective, it would not be reasonable to suggest that individuals who follow a strict healthy diet are endangering their health. It only reaches clinical significance when health-directed eating starts causing problems in relationships or impairs an individual's social life. 
But, like, if someone asks their spouse not to smoke around them and the kids, that health-directed behavior could cause interpersonal distress in the relationship. Should you just keep quiet? Or should you yourself keep smoking just to not cause waves with your smoking spouse? And you know, social life-wise, I mean, do you have a mental illness if you tell your date you'd rather not go to the steakhouse or the smoking lounge? The problem is when the behavior begins to hinder a person's ability to take part in everyday society. Um, like, like, what if you start bringing food to dinner parties? Maybe I've just gone to too many potlucks, but you know, bringing a healthy dish to share doesn't sound like a druggable psychiatric offense to me. And then there's Instagram. Think of the implications social media can have on psychological well-being of hundreds of thousands of individuals. Did you know that healthy food posts tend to receive more support from users than less healthy images, indicating a positive attitude towards healthy foods and healthy eating? Soon everyone might be taking pictures of broccoli. Quick, get out the straitjackets. In his decades of medical practice, Dr. Dean Ornish says he's never seen a case of orthorexia. Most people, he says, have the opposite problem. They don't care enough about what they eat. In our next story, we examine how an eating disorder can save your life. Orthorexia nervosa is an unrecognized eating disorder in which the person becomes obsessed with eating healthy foods, whereas recognized eating disorders like anorexia deal with the quantity of food, orthorexics care about the quality of their food. Uh, many researchers have raised questions about the validity of orthorexia as an entity, but you know, I always try to give the benefit of the doubt. A medical case report was published on orthorexia in a critical care journal about eating disorder emergencies. OK, I'm listening. So they're like talking about cases of bona fide eating disorders like this woman with anorexia collapsing after self-induced vomiting and laxatives after years of throat and rectal bleeding. I mean, you know, that is indeed a, a tragic eating disorder emergency. OK, so what's their orthorexic case like? A 53-year-old man who had triple bypass two years ago comes in for a checkup. His physician recommends seeing a dietitian since his BMI is down to like 18.5, which is right on the cutoff for being underweight. He's evidently been eating so healthy he's lost a significant amount of weight. He states that since his diagnosis of coronary heart disease and high cholesterol, he only eats natural and organic foods. Therefore, he probably has a psychiatric illness. He clearly is preoccupied with food and judges others based on their food choices, when in fact he may very well have been saving his own life. I mean, to me, the craziest thing this guy did was get a triple bypass. I mean, imagine lying on a psychiatrist's couch and being like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I could switch to bean burritos, but you know, I'd rather pay someone to slice my chest open with a knife, uh, maybe saw my breastbone in half, you know, put me at risk for stroking out, you know, instead of dealing with the underlying cause. What do you think, Doc? Then we could see some orthorexics becoming evangelical as they share their feelings of disgust or disappointment towards their family, friends, or even children for their quote-unquote normal food choices. I mean, it's bad enough they care about their own health, but caring about their family and friends, their children, off 
to the funny farm you go. I mean, I mean it's not like uh, you know what we eat is the number one cause of death in the United States or anything, killing hundreds of thousands more Americans every year than cigarettes. Uh, uh, oh, wait, it is, and also the number one cause of disability. But you may have a mental illness if you're disappointed that your kids are eating multicolored marshmallows for breakfast. If you recognize these warning signs, what should you do? You should confront the person. I know it's not easy, but if you see someone obsessively trying to avoid unhealthy foods, and worse, trying to get others to do the same, then confront them. The possibility of helping them save their own life far outweighs uncomfortable emotions. The irony, of course, is that they're trying to save your life. Right? Uh, right? Imagine if you were able to talk Mr. Triple Bypass out of his healthy eating obsession. You'd probably kill him. To his credit, even Stephen Bratman, the guy who coined the term orthorexia, has backed off, saying that he never intended to propose a new eating disorder. As an alternative medicine practitioner, he just wanted his patients to relax their dietary corset and live a little. I mean, where did people get this idea that he was trying to coin the name for a novel eating disorder? I mean, if you go back to his original article, he just said he was trying to coin the name for a novel eating disorder. An eating disorder he saved himself from, saved from the doom of his eternal health food addiction with the help of tacos, pizza, and a milkshake. One of the directors of the Yale Center for Eating Disorders is skeptical. Uh, we've never had anybody come into our clinic with orthorexia, and I've been working in this field for at least 20 years. Without research to back his theory, Bratman is simply another guy trying to make a buck off the health-conscious public. They invent some new term, a new diet, a solution to a problem that doesn't even exist. The burden should fall to the authors to prove what they're saying is correct before they start unleashing advice on the public. Finally today, let's see how you score on the orthorexia diagnostic test. Want to know if you're orthorexic? The Ortho15 is the most widely accepted assessment tool to screen for orthorexic tendencies. A score of 40 or lower was considered the best threshold for an orthorexia diagnosis. There are 15 questions, each scored from 1 to 4, so you can end up with a score of 15 to 60, with a score under 40 denoting orthorexia. So getting 1s and 2s, or even an occasional 3 in your answers, would mean you may have it. So lower scores are worse. OK, let's check it out. The first question, when eating, do you pay attention to the calories of the food? Always, often, sometimes, or never? According to the test, the healthiest answer is often, with the orthorexic answers being always or never. I can see how always obsessively worrying about calories could hint at a problem, but if you're eating healthy enough, right, a diet centered around whole plant foods, you don't need to worry about calorie counts or portion control, and the healthiest foods, fruits and vegetables, don't even have a nutrition label. Uh, but apparently, if you're never Googling the calories of every apple you eat, you may have a problem. When you go to the grocery store, do you feel confused? Supposedly, the healthiest answer is always. You should always be confused. And if you're not at least often confused, we may end up having to drug you. Question number three. In the last three months, did the thought of food worry you? The supposed healthiest answer? Never. The thought of what you're putting into your body didn't worry you once. 
According to the test, it would be healthier if your eating choices were conditioned worries about your health. And of course, taste should always be more important than the quality of your food. I mean, if you think the quality of food is even sometimes more important, you may have a mental illness. And if you're often willing to spend more money to have healthier food, crazy! Are you so delusional that you think consuming healthy food might improve your appearance? My favorite, though, has to be question 14. Do you think that supermarkets also sell unhealthy food? You've got to be kidding, right? And then they like penalize people who live alone. If you scored under 40, you are not alone. Using this test, about 50% of registered dietitians in the United States are supposedly suffering from a mental illness. The prevalence of orthorexia nervosa presents as being impossibly high. I mean, anorexia and bulimia are estimated to be no higher than about 2%, and so it's kind of counterintuitive to believe that there's some eating disorder out there that has rates as high as nearly 90%. No wonder the DSM, the Psychiatry Profession's Official Diagnostic Manual, does not include orthorexia as a psychiatric diagnosis. And look, they love turning things into mental illnesses. The, the latest edition can turn kindergarten temper tantrums into a disorder too much coffee, or even bad PMS into a mental illness. But they're still not going to go there with orthorexia. For example, researchers have a tendency to pick and choose which questions of the Orto-15 they use and come up with their own cutoff scores for diagnosis, resulting in an alarmingly erratic use of the Orto-15 tool that was designed to measure orthorexia. The bottom line is that the Orto-15 test is likely unable to distinguish between healthy eating and pathologically healthy eating, whatever that is. Now, more recently, new criteria have been introduced. You know, given the impossibly high prevalence rates, new emphasis is placed on health problems because of diets, such as malnutrition or you know, medical complications that you know, would, by definition, make it an unhealthy diet, like this tragic case in which someone had tried to live off a few spoonfuls of rice and vegetables and ended up bedridden. Uh, look, if that's what you want to call orthorexia, fine. But you know, one wonders if there might have been, it might have been clouded by some actual psychiatric diagnosis like you know, OCD, you know, obsessive-compulsive disorder. And if you add in those adverse health criteria, then the prevalence drops to less than one-half of 1%, uh, which seems a little more reasonable. I mean, interestingly, those eating vegan diets had the least pathological scores in the sample, though this may reflect them just being less serious about healthy eating, uh, reaching for the vegan donut rather than the lentil soup. We would love it if you could share with us your stories about reinventing your health through evidence-based nutrition. Go to nutritionfacts.org forward slash testimonials. We may share it on our social media to help inspire others. To see any graphs, charts, graphics, images, or studies mentioned here, please go to the Nutrition Facts podcast landing page. There you'll find all the detailed information you need, plus links to all the sources we cite for each of these topics. For recipes, check out my How Not to Die cookbook. It's beautifully designed with more than 100 recipes for delicious and nutritious meals. And all proceeds I receive from the sale of all my books goes to charity. 
NutritionFacts.org is a nonprofit, science-based public service where you can sign up for free daily updates on the latest in nutrition research via bite-sized videos and articles. Everything on the website is free. There's no ads, no corporate sponsorship. It's strictly non-commercial. I'm not selling anything. I just put it up as a public service, as a labor of love, as a tribute to my grandmother, whose own life was saved with evidence-based nutrition. Thanks for listening to Nutrition Facts. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greger.